All right. There's a couple of announcements this morning. Um, <clears throat> downstairs we have a box uh, for uh, New Hope. Um, some of you guys may have seen them before. They're in the Sacred Melodies, uh, Sacred Melody Bookstore Plaza uh, in, in, on James Street in East Syracuse. And they're, uh, they're kind of a twofold. It's a pregnancy crisis center for, 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 for young moms. Um, and it's also an adoption. It's an adoption center. And um, they've been going through a legal battle uh, with New York State um, because, you know, they have taken some biblical stands because they're a Bible-based Christian organization. Uh, and as you guys well know, you know, we're, we're living in a day and an age, and, and the times are continually moving towards a world uh, that is just not going to accept uh, biblical principles, a lot of biblical principles, uh, and a lot of things that the Bible is 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 very determined upon uh, and very specific about. Um, people don't want to hear, uh, and so if you're a Christian or a Christian organization or whatever the case may be, and you take a stand on on biblical truth, uh, you're going to end up running into some some issues with with the world that we live in. That's okay, right? That's okay, because uh, Jesus told us. He said, "In this world, you'll have tribulation." Uh, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. He also told his disciples, listen, if the world hates you, don't feel bad. They hated me first. You know, it's almost like God's like, you know, we're up there, we're down here going, everyone hates me. It's like, well, they hated, they hated me first, you know. Uh, and it's true. And it's true. Everybody loved Jesus when Jesus was feeding the 5,000. Everybody loved Jesus when he was preaching uh, the, 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 the happier truths about the kingdom. Everybody loved Jesus when he was healing people. But when Jesus started to get into the serious doctrines of the gospel and what it truly and really means to be a child of God, people started dropping like flies. It got to the point where everyone departed Jesus except for his 12 disciples. And he turned to them and he said, we're going to talk a little bit about this this morning. He turned to them and he said, what about you? Are you going to leave too? Peter's like, you know, Peter first one to speak, right? Last one to listen, first one to speak. And a lot of times that really worked out great for Peter and sometimes not so much. But this is one of the great times when he just like, just knee-jerk reaction. The first thing that comes to his mind, he says, Jesus, where are we going to go? You're the one that has the words of life. You know, Peter's just talking, <laughs> you know. He didn't realize that the, the, so often the, the, of the depth and the truth of what he was saying as he was proclaiming from his heart who Jesus was. Where else would we go? And the world has all sorts of philosophical uh, advice and all sorts of happy things uh, and all sorts of uh, philosophies on, on how the world ought to be uh, and everyone should be happy and everyone should be, should, should be you know, together and one. And, and so much of that we're like, yeah, 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 we agree with that too. But we know and we understand something different. That only happens through Christ Jesus. You know, this idea that mankind is at some point in time going to come up with some sort of perfect government or some sort of system wherein everyone is treated equitably and it stays that way is silly. It's silly. 
And we have that object lesson from within ourselves. You know, we talk about the, the you know, the four o'clock in the morning hours of self-loathing. You know, when you're awake and you're laying in bed going, oh, I'm a terrible father. I'm a terrible husband. I'm a terrible, you know, and I need to do this better. And I need to do this. And I start, need to start doing this. And you know that thing within yourself. There's that truth within yourself that no matter how much and how hard you try and you strain and you press towards trying to be the best person that you can be and to do the best that you can, you find that in some way, shape, or fashion, invariably, you mess things up. You know, there has never been a church, there has never been a government, there has never been any institution of man that has continued down through the decades and not straight aside to the right or to the left. You know, so many of the problems that people have with organized religion today, those of us who have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and study the Word, we're able to point them to the Word and say, that's not what God intended. That the, the things that you don't like, that you see in the hypocrisy, that you see in some religion, is not the way God intended it to be. God intended for all of mankind to worship Him in spirit and in truth, to worship Him in the sincerity of our hearts and from our hearts, to be able to come before Him just as you are, just as you are. You know, there's that old hymn. Dad loves quoting the old hymns. I remember a few of them too. And you remember that old, old hymn, Just as I am without one plea, but that the blood of Christ was shed for me. You know, some of those words on those old hymns are unmatchable. That's it. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, I can enter into his presence. It doesn't matter how bad I screw up, because I'm going to screw up. I'm going to make mistakes. And because of the blood of Christ, we can just stand up. But all that aside and all that being said, in this world... If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you stand on the truths and the principles of God's world, you are going to find yourself at some point in time at odds with the precepts of this world. That's just the way it is. And that's what New Hope uh, Pregnancy Center is going through right now. So I ask for your, for your prayers, that you'd be praying for them. Uh, and also we have a box downstairs in the fellowship hall. Uh, and it's for, what, what's everything they can go there? Diapers, anything that a new mom would, would need, or, right? There's a list pasted on the box, but I know there's diapers and wipes and probably formula and bottles and stuff like that, and, and they need this stuff. So it's a great way that you can, you can help out um, some, some, uh, some people in need. Next Saturday uh, at 9.30, uh, we're going to have the uh, men's and women's breakfast uh, at the church and the, and the parsonage. Uh, April 8th is the adult dinner night out. Do we know where we're going? The Golden Spike. The Golden Spike. Sounds suspect at best. It's in East Syracuse. I've been there. No. Uh, the Golden Spike. Let's see. Right? I heard, actually, I heard it's really good. I heard it's really good. Uh, April 8th. That's April 8th. Join us. We have a blast. That's a lot of fun. We don't fellowship enough. Right? I mean, I'm going to get preachy and off to the side. I'm getting so old, man. But it's true. Like, when I was a kid, and some of you guys remember this that have been around forever, when I was a kid, like, we were at church all the time, not just even for church services, but we always had events and stuff like that, and we actually wanted to be there. 
Uh, and, I, and, and please, I don't say any of this to put a guilt trip on anybody or anything like that. But we, we, as time has gone on, we have all of us become so individualistic, right? Like even in your home, right? When you're sitting there across the, the room from your spouse or your kid, and even though you, you know everything about each other for the most part, hopefully for, for, all, for the all part, you know what I mean? You, you know about each other, you know what you've got going on, but you've got your own little life going on in this thing. Uh, and we're very individualistic, and it's caused us to become closed off to one another. And, and there's this tendency that we have to kind of draw back. I, I'm, and, and I am the first culprit, really. I would always rather sit in the dark basement alone, like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, right? And just sit down there and watch a Marvel film and eat popcorn by the boatload, you know. Like, that's my natural state, you know what I mean? That's how impressive of a human being I am. Uh, but I know this, and my wife is always like, you know you're going to have a good time when you, you know, because I'm always like, I want to get home and I just want to do that. If you get up, if you get up, if you, if you raise yourself off of your gigantic hindquarters and come with me and we go to this thing, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to have fellowship and you're going to love it and you're going to leave going, oh, that was great, you know, and Nikki just rolls her eyes at me. Uh, but we all have this, this thing where we kind of we have, have, have drawn back into ourselves. Uh, and, 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 you know, you're busy. You're very, very busy. Your lives are very, very busy. And you've got a million things going on. Nothing we ever say here is to guilt anybody, right? Because it's a whole big, giant waste of time if we do things because we're guilty. Uh, but these adult dinner nights out, it, they're great. They're great. We have fun. We break bread and we eat and we laugh and we joke and we encourage one another. And that's what the body's for. That's what the body's for. So if you can make it, if not this time, one of these times, rouse yourself and decide I'm going to go to this thing and you will not be disappointed. Um, April, May 10th is uh, our, our next youth group uh, gathering over at, over at the Parsons as at 7 p.m. And also there's sign-up sheets on the bulletin board in the lobby, and there's popcorn invites. Uh, some of you, will just because they're so cheesy, won't take one because it says pop in and see us. I know I'm offended by that personally. That's terrible. That's an awful humor. It's the worst. But, you know, grab a bag of popcorn, throw it at somebody, and see what pops up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, for heaven's sakes, let's get to the Bible. Before we really go off the rails, <sighs> Exodus chapter 33, <clears throat> more good news, right? Oh, the children of Israel, they're always doing things right, aren't they? You know, listen, they are an example of us. When we read through the Old Testament, you're not supposed to go, there they go again. Why don't you burn them this time, Lord? That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to read it and go, oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there, man. I've had a golden calf in my life, right? We don't actually have golden calves. Hopefully, if not, we need to do something with you, okay? But, but, but we have golden calves in our lives. We, all of us. And it's funny, it's interesting, you know, Moses comes down off of the mountaintop. You know, the mountaintop experience we talk about. He's speaking with God. God speaks plainly to Moses. And he gives him his laws and he gives him his statutes and he lays out the, the tabernacle worship and the articles and all of the sacrifices and the priestly garments and all of these holy, reverent, beautiful, high, lofty things. 
And Moses comes down from the mountain, and what does he find the people doing? They've got a golden... Can you imagine poor Moses? He's 40 days and 40 nights, supernaturally sustained by the, by the Spirit of God. He's coming down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments, the original ones, written by the finger of God, right? Right, exactly. And he comes down, and he comes around, and Joshua's like, there's the sound of war in the camp. That's not the sound of war. It's the sound of singing. And not the good kind. The children of Israel, as Moses was gone and was away. Now, remember, before Moses went up on the mountain, he had said, you know, this is what God says. If you'll be his, you'll, you'll have him be your God and you'll worship no one else but him. You'll be his very special people. He's going to be with you. wherever. All that the Lord has commanded us, we will do. Mo, you go find out. Whatever it is God wants us to do, you let us know we're on it, man. We are on it. Whatever he says, we're going to do it, man. We are, we're we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to get it done. We're going to be people of God. Moses is gone for 40 days, and they're like, Where, where's Mo? He's kind of old. He, he may be dead up there. We've got to figure something out. I know. <laughs> Let's make a God. And the only kind of worship that they knew, other than, what, other than what they had already learned about worshiping Jehovah, which was a little. Remember, the tabernacle hasn't been built yet. None of these, these truths that God has been sharing with Moses up on the mountain that we've been reading together has been brought back to the people. So they know very little other than they're scared to death of them. And Moses is gone and all's quiet. It seems like there's nothing going on. We're not hearing or not seeing any signs. We don't know, you know, Moses, where is he gone? What's happening? And so they decide, let's just go back to what we're used to. This is the great tendency of humanity, and it's the worst thing you could ever do. But we all seem to do that in one shape, uh, form, or another, and to some degree or another, to go back to what you're used to. You know, the Bible, the Bible talks about it in this way, like a dog returning to its vomit. Oh, you ever see this? It's one of the reasons I don't have a dog. I know you're all dog people out there, okay? They eat their own puke, people. Okay, same reason that, I don't know, well, you, you were the ones with the dogs, not me. And the pig, same thing with the pig. You can clean a pig up, you know, you can sit, right, right, they're all squeaking. You see the pig, I got a pot belly pig. It wants to go sit in the slop. That's what a pig wants to do. And the Bible says that's how our hearts are so often. And we find ourselves returning to the things that made us sick and dirty, and we have this tendency within our hearts to go back to the things. You know why? Because it's natural to us. Because these are the things I know. The tendencies of my flesh and the desires of my flesh, that is natural to me. And it's something that I know. And it's something that's comfortable, like sitting in the basement, in the dark. Riddled in the dark. My precious. It's natural. It's comfortable. And to, 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 to stretch out and to, to, to launch out into new waters and new depth is hard for us. It's difficult for us. And God is always seeking to stretch us and to launch us into deeper waters. If you find yourself, listen, you've, 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 you've been to church, you've, you've heard about God, maybe you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, and now you find yourself, now maybe some of you were told, listen, you asked Jesus into your heart, suddenly the sky is going to be brighter and the grass is going to be greener and everything's going to be wonderful and everything's going to start going your way. And then you actually get into a relationship with Jesus and you're like, hey, 
what is this, Amway, you know? I was sold a bill of goods here. Now, no offense to anyone who does Amway around here. This little thing. But you find yourself all of a sudden in an uncomfortable place. I don't feel happy. I don't feel refreshed. I don't feel strong. In fact, I feel vulnerable. In fact, I feel sad. I feel sadder than I used to feel. And this is when the child of Israel, the old in the, in the Old Testament version, inside of you would say, oh, that we were back in Egypt with the flesh pots and the leeks and the garlic. It was so good. You remember those? Oh, Bob, you remember the flesh pots? Oh, oh so good. Forgetting the lash. Forgetting the lash of the taskmaster of that sin, that besetting sin that owned you. Now listen to me, Christian. When you find yourself feeling this unsettled way, know this, it's because God is pushing you out into deeper water. When you're uncomfortable... When you're not feeling good about yourself, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling lonely, God is pushing you out into deeper waters that you might know. I mean, the things that Jesus did were not just so we could have fun stories to talk about in the Bible. When he sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee and he's not with them and suddenly a storm comes up and they're afraid and they're afraid in the storm and then they see Jesus. They see Jesus walking on the water. Some of them go, it's a ghost. And Peter thinks, says, I think as Peter says, I think it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And he calls out to him, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you. And see, this is one of the great things about Peter and the examples that he gives us and that Jesus gave us through Peter is that Peter knew he was safer walking on the stormy water with Jesus than being in the boat with the rest of the disciples. Hey, it's easy to just stay in the boat and cling to the ballast. and We're all going to die. I've sung in that choir, right? But God wants you to press out and to press into him, and he will make you uncomfortable. He will make you uncomfortable. The children of Israel were uncomfortable because we made these promises and we saw the mountain of Sinai, Mount Sinai, all together on a smoke. We saw that we felt the rumblings. We heard the trumpet. We know that God is here. He has showed up and we know that he's real. We understand he's delivered us. But now we're in this period of time that we don't know what to do. We have no direction. We don't know what's coming, what's going. And I, I got to do something. And so they go back to what they know, pagan idolatry. And so Moses comes down off the mountain just as God is ready to reveal himself to the people and to show them what his heart is towards them and deliver to them the way in which they can worship and have fellowship with him. And Moses comes down and he finds them in revelry. And this is one of the reasons, make no mistake, when God sent the children of Israel into Canaan, into the promised land, and he said to dispossess them, to wipe them out, it's because that was the time of judgment for the land of Canaan. 
Way back when he first called Abraham and was telling him about the promised land, he said, I'm not sending you there yet because the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its fulfillment. In other words, there is going to be coming a time when that place in Canaan is going to grow so wicked and so abominable that I'm going to use you, the nation of Israel, to bring judgment upon them. Just like he had done with the flood and just like he had done with Sodom and Gomorrah. And we read these portions of scripture sometimes, Christian, and it makes us uncomfortable. Because I might read it and I might be okay with it, but how do I tell someone else about it? Because I don't want them to accuse God of not being loving. And I don't want them to accuse God of not being good. And by worldly standards, sometimes it doesn't look like the things that God does is loving or good. And this is where the faith and the patience of the saints comes into place. Because I know in whom I believe. And he is God. And he has reserved to himself the right to deal with the human race as he sees fit. And he has laid that out for us in scripture. And he has promised that there is consequence for sin. The wages of sin is what? death. And this is what we're really learning under the laws. We're preparing all through the Old Testament to receive Jesus Christ. God wanted the children of Israel who truly understood his heart and truly understood what the law represented when they finally saw Jesus and met him to be like, freedom, freedom. That's what you're supposed to see and think when you see Jesus. Freedom from what? Freedom from the religious observances. Freedom from the law. Why? What's wrong with the law? Is the law bad? Is the religious, uh, the religious system bad? No, it's not bad. The problem is it's good. And I ain't. That's the problem. And God's perfect and holy law must be observed. And if it's not, if I break his moral law, if I break his holy covenant, his holy laws, there's judgment that comes. He has reserved that right. And I make no apologies for who God is. I make no apologies. Listen, don't ever water down the word of God. I would rather have someone reject God. Listen to me very carefully here. Because I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I would rather have somebody reject God because they don't like who he is then accept him because they think he's someone he's not. Because Jesus makes it very clear when he's teaching the disciples that many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we're your friends. We even casted out demons in your name and healed people in your name. And Jesus said, in that day I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. And that scares You know, scares me. That scares me. Because God forbid that anyone would ever stand before God and say, well, Frank said, Frank said, I didn't really need to repent. Frank said, I I really didn't need to have Jesus be my Lord and Savior and the master of my life. He he said it would be enough if I just believe in God. And say, yeah, I like this and I like that, right? We can't ever misrepresent the nature of who God is. 
the good news. That's what gospel means, good news. Remember this. This is very, very important doctrinally. The thing that makes the good news so good is that the bad news is so bad. The bad news is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is the definition of sin, and sin separates us from God. We are all separated from God by our sin, every single person. There is no one righteous, the Bible says, not even one. Well, surely this person who did all of this good stuff and this person who did all that, it, the problem is, is that we look at other people and we compare their reflection to our own instead of comparing it to the reflection of Jesus Christ and a holy God. I can look in the mirror or I can compare myself to other people out there and say, I'm doing pretty good. But then when I peer into the reflection of God's holy truth, rut row raggy, we got a problem. I don't line up at all. I'm kind of a jerk. <laughs> I need Jesus. And that's the gospel. It's so simple. I, I want to get into this because I, I, I'm, I'm going to end up preaching and never even talking about the Bible. We are in Exodus chapter 33. So, so here's Moses coming down off of Mount Sinai. He's got the law of God, and he comes down to find the children of Israel in drunken, debaucherous revelry as they worship this golden calf. He asks Aaron, how the heck did you let this happen? Aaron says, they gave me a bunch of gold. You're never going to believe it, Mo. They gave me a bunch of gold. I threw it in the fire, and this calf jumped out. And I, Did Moses punch him when he said that? Because really, like, it's bad. Just don't lie to me, right? Like, when, like I would rather have somebody come up to me and it, blankety blank, my blanking week was a blank, blank, blankety blank. And be real, then come up to me and act as though they're pious and holy. And if you put sugar in my mouth, Pastor, I don't think it would even melt. That's just how. Be real. Be real. God is not impressed with all of my pomp. God is not impressed with all of my lofty words and my long prayers and all of this stuff. You know what God's impressed with? God's impressed with a fat little toddler going, Daddy! That's what God wants in our hearts. And so Moses comes down off of the mountain, and this is what he finds. That was in chapter 32. In 33, now Moses is interceding on the people's behalf before God. The Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hevite and the Jebusite and all the other ites, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Now, in chapter 32 and in chapter 33, God says a couple of things that seems odd to us, that seems strange, because it's almost as though he is going to go back on his promise, or it's almost as though God tends to change his mind. But I want you to understand and know something about Almighty God. He is not a man that he should lie, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What God does in chapter 32 when he tells Moses, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Mo, I'm just going to wipe them all out and I'll start a new nation with you, 
right? And Moses then goes to God on behalf of the people and intercedes on their behalf as a type of Christ and says, no, God, lest the, the, the Egyptians say he brought them out there just to consume them and to destroy them. Lord, no, be a God of your promise. God, we know how glorious you are. And Lord, Lord, show us that and be the God that you said you were. God says, that's right on, Moses. I won't consume them. And in chapter 33, he does the same thing here to Moses. Next week, we're going to get into Moses' response to God. But understand, when God says here, go on up to the land, I'm going to send my angel with you, but I'm not going to go with you lest I destroy you. He again is trying to elicit a response from Moses. And Moses, once again, is going to rise to the occasion. Moses is going to show us a picture of Jesus Christ again. Moses is God's guy. Moses is God's guy at this point in time. And one of the things that God is always doing through his guys and his gals is reflecting to the people the image of Christ. Showing them, this is what I'm like. And this is what my son is like. And here's a piece of grace. And here's some mercy for you to understand, even though they're under the law and the old covenant. And Moses is going to reflect the image of Christ through his response to what God says. Never think for a moment that God's up there confused or up there changing his mind. He's eliciting a response from Moses so that it would be recorded in this book so that you and I could look at it and go, well, that's just like Jesus. Bingo. Okay? So, verse 4, when the people heard this bad news, and let me tell you something, when God says, I'm not going to go up with you, that's bad news. Okay? For the Christian, if you feel at any point in time in your life that God is not with you in what you're doing, and in the lifestyle you're living or in the choices that you're making, that's bad news. That's bad news to be outside of the light. There's never a situation, there's never an occasion, there's never an occurrence where God sees that you're doing something that he doesn't like and he says, I'm out of here, I'm not going to be with you anymore because of what you're doing. What happens is, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament, and this is because of Jesus, okay? He did depart from his people at times in the Old Testament. But in the New Covenant... In the New Testament, the new covenant that we live under through the blood of Jesus Christ, God never leaves you or forsakes you. God never departs from you. But you step right out of the light, don't you? I mean, that's what we do. We're walking in the light. The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. That's the status that you walk around in. It's great. You get along with people, even if they're not really getting along with you, and you're walking in that grace. When you step out, step out of that light bad news. And you feel that. So when they heard this bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. Now understand, the ornaments would be their jewelry, it would be anything on their clothes, anything that was of, uh, of a decorative nature. Okay? It was their ornaments that they gave to Aaron, some of their golden ornaments, to, to, to melt and to turn into the golden calf. So this is interesting. Uh, when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. In other words, in other words, the people now go into a state of mourning. They now go into a state of mourning and repentance. And when the children of Israel, that culture, when they would mourn and they would repent, they would put on tattered clothes. Uh, you've heard of weeping and mourning in sackcloth and ashes. You ever hear? They would put sackcloth on. They would literally dress in rags. They would throw dust on their head. And what were they saying? I'm dirt. I'm dust. I have nothing. There's nothing of value in of myself. 
That's what they were saying, okay? So when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. You ever say that to your kids, parents? You know what? Just go sit in your room while your father and I decide what to do with you, right? It's interesting. And it's God talking to the children of Israel, just like a dad. Now, therefore, take off, oh, no, verse 6. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. Then Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. <laughs> he went down the wrong tube, didn't he? <laughs> this is the kind of thing I find funny. I, I, I know it's not, she should be okay. She's got the chloroseptic. <laughs> you okay, mama? All right. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. All right, I'm going to stop there. I, I got to stop there because otherwise, you know, unless you guys got nothing to do till four o'clock, um, we're going to we'll, we're going to pick up with that thought next week because it's a whole other thought that I want to get into. This is one of the most interesting and beautiful points in Scripture in the Old Testament as far as God relating to His people. Because remember, the Ark of the Covenant has not been built. There's no menorah. There's no table of showbread. There's no table of incense. There's no altar of sacrifice. There's no tent of meeting. None of these things have been initiated yet. There's nothing. There's the mountain of Sinai where the law was given to Moses. There's the children found in absolute reckless disobedience to God's law and God's ways. And now Moses coming down into that scene, God bringing about some judgment, and then God working out what he's going to do with his people. And then we have separate from that this point in time, this point in history, and this kind of this separate thing that happens that's an anomaly the tabernacle isn't in existence it hasn't been built yet moses takes the tent his own tent which was the tent he would have had set up to meet with people and to go over people's uh people's requests and when people brought disputes against one another and stuff like that he brings it away from the camp and sets up a place of worship and it is completely separate from every tradition and every ceremonial law that god has just taught moses this is a complete anomaly, and I want to talk about with you next week about that, okay? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your, for your word and the encouragement uh, that we find, Lord, in our relationship with Christ that we are free, uh, Lord, free from uh, the judgment of our own sin, Lord, and, and, and from the weight of this world. Uh, we're grateful to you, Father, that you accept us just exactly as we are, Father, as we uh, surrender to you, Lord, and give our hearts to you. Lord, we trust you that you want to do a great work in us, uh, Lord, and that you want to be conforming us into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you uh, free reign in our hearts and in our lives. We give you permission to do that, Lord. Um, Lord, we're going to fail. We're going to fall. We're going to come up short, Lord, as you already know. But we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remember that the blood of Jesus Christ is what helps us get up and get up and get up and get up and press on towards the goal. Uh, that you've set before us. So I pray, Lord, that you would encourage each heart in that this morning, Father, and that you would be preparing uh, us for a, a new work that you seek to do in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, as you seek to conform us into the image of your Son, Jesus, Lord, to be like him in love and relationship with one another and in relationship with you, Father. We just ask, Lord God, 
that you would begin to work in each heart, Father, in, in each one of us, Lord, that you would be stirring us up and pressing us on, Lord, towards a closer and a deeper walk. Help us not to be afraid, Lord, of the uncomfortable times and the deeper waters, Lord, but help us in those times to cry out to you, Lord, and to seek to be in the arms of Jesus, Father. So um, have your way among us. Use us, I pray, Lord, as you see fit, uh, to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that you would bless each person here. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them, Lord. I pray that you would be gracious to them. Lord, I pray that you would bless their homes. I pray that you would bless their children. I pray that you would bless their marriages, Lord, and all of their family members, Lord. I pray that you would, uh, that you would reveal your heart to their heart, Lord, as they seek your face this week. And they would know, Lord, more and more continually how much you love them, Lord. So we, thought we love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys.